guys. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About K- uh, uh, Plant Medicine, Cannabis, Psychedelics, and Pharmaceutics. See, you guys see, I am already stumbling on my word today. <laughs> I have a really, really special guest. I am so, so excited, so stoked to have him, but we're not going to go to Patrick yet. So you guys, welcome to the show, Let's Talk Plant Medicine, Cannabis, Psychedelics, and Pharmaceutics with Dr. Ho. So glad you guys are here with me today. I am very, very appreciative of that. Without you guys being there uh, every week, there's no way we can make this happen. So before we bring in our guest today, like I said, I am very, very uh, honored to have him on the show. We, uh, you guys know what's up, of course. We got to do the good clean house cleaning, good house cleaning, our usual. So, what is a good house cleaning? You all know this show is for educational purposes and should not be taken as medical advice. Consult with your doctor for all your medical needs. Do not start or stop any medicine without talking to your doctor. Having said that, okay, uh, the other good ass cleaning we have to do, I mean, we got to pay our bills. <laughs> we got to pay our bills. So this show, the sponsor, I first of all want to say thank you to you out there that are supporting us. Without you guys, we are unable to do this. And I'm talking about our Patreon group. Those of you that have joined Health Ecos Wealth members, you are indirectly supporting this show. And of course, you subscriber on Apple, Apple Podcast. Thank you so much for doing what you do. Other than that, we have WCI Health is the main sponsor of this show. They are your alternative health and wellness company. They have various masterclasses, cannabis as medicine masterclasses. And they are also the makers of glows, beauty, uh, and CBD hemp-based products. So go check out all their good stuff on their website, wci-health.com. And of course, if you are yet to join our, our clubhouse group, uh, Cannabis Psychedelic Club, you need to go do that. Good stuff is in the profile. So go check it out at WCI Health 19. Having said that, I'm not going to be wasting time today. We got so much to cover. I want to say thank you so much, David. Help me to welcome David Ironwood to the show. David, take out. Oh, my goodness. Patrick. (laughs) Patrick Ironwood is with us today. Thank you. I can be David today. (laughs) Yeah, I was supposed to see. I was supposed to have David Capella on the show as well. So we had to uh, reschedule for uh, David. I guess that's where where this uh, Mr. Boy is so good. Patrick, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here today. It is really good. This is actually the first time I've done a uh, podcast, uh, uh, a recorded Zoom call. I've done Zoom some uh, and had some really great experiences on Zoom. So this is uh, this is great to feel uh, like it's going out to more people. So is this also live or is this recorded and then moved out? No, uh, it's not live, but it's recorded and we're going to put it on our YouTube channel. Super. So That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. We just started our YouTube channel for, for the show. So uh, that is, uh, this is another way of uh, showing the other side that we have to our audience out there. That is amazing. 
Patrick, tell us a little bit about yourself. Folks, first of all, before I even allow Patrick to say anything, this, if you are looking for Joseph, he should have been named Joseph. <laughs> this man is a man with a coat of many color. It, there is no way we can describe him. He is a star monkey. He is a popular evolutionarist. I mean, he's a humanist. He's all everything in this little body. And I'm so glad uh, to have him. I can't even do justice to his background. So I'm going to let him come in and talk to us about himself. Patrick, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like I said, you are a man of many colors. Talk to us, Patrick. Yeah, I, I think because I have a lot of different places we could go, I want to go ahead and just jump right into um, what I've lately been really passionate about because it's uh, psychoactive uh, plants, molecules, and uh, just a, a psychedelic life, really. Um, yeah, because that is good, Patrick. But our audience would still like to know. I mean, I need to hear about a little bit about the hobo okay. life, about all those cool stuff living in the okay. wild. Like, uh, you know, you sure. is amazing. He has lived in the grid, you know, like the grid. Literally, no electricity, no nothing. Yeah. Very few people can, can pull that out. So I know our audience want to hear all that good juicy part first. <laughs> Tell us okay. about your background. Where were you born sure. and stuff? Well, I was actually conceived in Nigeria. Are you kidding me now? Uh -huh. Come my on now. Peace, no. Yeah, my parents are Peace Corps volunteers. Are you serious? And then they came back here and I was born uh, in Washington, D.C. And um, then somewhere around then, um, my granddad just happened to get some land in Tennessee and was my mom and dad were uh, decided they wanted to try to farm on it, like not just farm, like homestead. And back then that was like in the late 60s, early 70s. And no one was doing that at all. And so I consider myself a child of the Whole Earth Journal, that catalog that had books in it. And that was kind of like the first internet. It was the place that people first had access to how to do the things themselves. If their grandparents and their parents hadn't taught them, then this journal, the Whole Earth Journal, the Whole Earth Catalog is what it was called, that that book um, really changed a lot of people's lives. And my parents were some of them. And it drastically changed my life because I, I, I fell into a life where uh, of homesteading from from when I was five years old, uh, we had no electricity from five until 19. And um, in 19, I went to college and installed our first solar electric panels. Um, uh, everything that was store bought, bought was bad. <laughs> we did everything we could ourselves and uh, spent almost all our time in the in the woods in the wilderness. So I grew up in that form around a lot of plant medicines and things like that. My parents weren't really hippies. They weren't into they weren't into drugs at all. They thought that um, that type of experience uh, could be found on your own. Uh, and they were also, you know, if there was a, a serious injury or something, we did go to the doctor. So they, were, they weren't religious either. They didn't have, there was no, nothing there either. I, I got to sort of develop my own forms of spirit, I suppose. I consider myself somewhat of a, a pantheist, I suppose, um, or a post-theist at least, because I was raised without religion. So I don't really have a, I, I, I'm not an atheist because I never had a God to just to, 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 
not, not, not believe in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also find religion fascinating and all my theists and religious friends and spiritual friends, I, I love that they um, find energy in those places. And I just find that the entire universe is, uh, is alive and speaking all the time. And if I can tune in, uh, I can understand sometimes what the universe is telling me. And that's when I actually make my best decisions. And I make lots of poor decisions because I'm not really paying attention to the world around me. Um, so in that sense of uh, phenomenology is a concept I like a lot. And that's uh, a lot of our indigenous ancestors. All they knew is the world around them and it spoke through them and to them. And for me, phenomenology, uh, because I've lived in the same place for 50 years, uh, I, I do feel a connection to the landscape, to the plants, to the landform, to the weather. And all those things help help me with my decisions as a permaculturalist when I'm trying to decide to plant a tree or to put a, to build a path somewhere or to 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 to, to, to turn a path path off because I feel like it's eroding or to cut a tree down um, because I also do cut trees down sometimes because when I cut a tree down I harvest sunlight and starlight at night I can see more stars when there's no then that tree's not there and during the day more light comes in and then all of a sudden the whole area where the tree was all these other plants in the forest are coming up. And mm -hmm. sometimes I choose to plant things there and harvest that sunlight through through agriculture. But for the most part, I really um, have moved more and more away from agriculture because it's, it's, it's so labor intensive and so unnatural feeling. And I love to, uh, every day I try to eat something wild that I find in the forest. And uh, I, I've been, this, this last few weeks, there's been a lot of milky indigo mushrooms, which are one of these just amazing blue mushroom. Actually, I just posted some on Instagram. Because uh, it's such a beautiful blue color, it looks like I altered the um, the color scheme even, but I didn't pamper with it at all. It's totally like it's really that color. Um, but it's not a psilocybin mushroom because those are famous for being blue. Also, the psilocybin blue, bruising blue, and these aren't these aren't these are not psychoactive. Yeah. These are just uh, that is it's awesome. like a, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's a little bit about my background. But believe me, I've got a lot of uh, my sort of unusualness in that department. I also, uh, we lived at intentional community here on this land for 25 years. So I have a lot of uh, intentional community experience, which involves a lot of people work, working in circles with just uh, coordinating people around things, educating and that, that type of thing. I've also done a lot in the, uh, the festival uh, circuit of um, particularly music uh, and also just teaching, uh, small group teaching and activism uh, from the eighties. I've been doing environmental, social justice, uh, activism of all, all sorts of that. different types. <laughs> All so, that uh, so in moved. itself is of yeah. some people's totality of their life, and we, we, we haven't, we have, we haven't even been able to. Uh, this is just like a tip of the iceberg <laughs> to for you. That is, yeah. uh, that is amazing. That is, folks. I was telling you guys that Patrick is a coat of many color. I mean, we've heard of panties. We have of a farmer soft top. I mean, we have heard all kind of terms that you guys are you this is a mind uh, mind blowing when you come when you hang around this amazing man for uh before we go on i'm sure our audience would like to know all that with all those stuff you know be you being uh earthy person a nature person did you have any formal education uh where did you go to school yes okay so i i went to uh i mean i went to like elementary school a couple times because it was like free day daycare but then my parents actually ended up pulling me out because it was a, a very rural uh, community that was um well they've been living in africa um, and yeah. the area that we were living was a very i don't know what you call it a white neighborhood like uh and and, yeah. and and i think they felt they felt that um it wasn't maybe a good influence on me and my brother 
Uh-oh. which we would have figured out on our own. Believe me, we knew we knew that racism is garbage. But uh, from really early on, I got a very like anti-racist. Uh, I was I was I think they call it unf- pardon me unfucked. I was unfucked uh, involving that. My mom's a feminist, and there so so that was something that was really helpful. Yeah. So I didn't have it. I never had any of those issues, but I was in it. I ended up going to um, junior high and high school here in uh, rural Tennessee, and. Um, was exposed to a lot of things that are uh were damaging i think to a lot of other people mm-hmm. uh but i actually think that i it for me it just uh, hardened my convictions that the world had a, there was a lot of change that needed to happen and it's one of the reasons i became an activist uh was because i recognized how uh, unjust the entire planet is and i thought that i would actually go i thought i would go to college and become like a professional um person doing world development Mm-hmm. Uh, piece, you know, professional type of development work, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And um, so I actually went to college. I went, just went to because I, it was for free back then um, for people without money. I could just go. It was the state school here in Tennessee and Knoxville was free. And I, so I went and I got a degree in what was then called third world research and development. But that is no longer a used term um, that would be now it would just be considered like international development um, type work. But while I was getting that degree, I realized that the problem was not over there the problem was other systems of power that uh, exist in the world and so i actually decided instead of going somewhere else to try to tell people how to do things is that i would stay here and try to learn how to do things myself and teach other people here in this country to um to live a lighter impact life so we just started educating teaching and living living this sort of example life off the grid organic gardening, um, you know, s- limited solar power, but mostly efficiency, uh, DIY, everything, uh, hand tools. Uh, and it wasn't really dogmatic exactly. We just, it was just the way we lived already. So it was very easy. And at that time though, back in the eighties and early nineties, there was almost no young people doing that kind of thing. So it was, so when, as soon as people found out about us, which back then it was through the, uh, the Federation for Intentional Community, we were in their, their book that our community was called Moonshadow at the time. We started a nonprofit called the Sequoia Valley Institute, which still exists, but since COVID has done very little, we just have high hiking trails and things like that. But people can come here and uh, camp and and things. It's a great place actually to have like a um, socially isolated experience. So for people that are trying to avoid other people, come come see us. Um, and uh, we have a little gallery because my my day job is is as an artist, so I, I do my day job from here. So we do have some income. Um, my mom also is an artist. She does uh, ceramics and I do um, s- um, sacred art objects from the future, um, time traveler and all that kind of thing. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so there's all these little details. That kind a of man with a coat of many colors, man. <laughs> so I, I, in my high school here in rural Tennessee, though, there was this book in the library called Plants of the Gods. And it was by Richard, Sir Richard, Richard Evan Schultze. And he was one of the earliest ethnobotanists uh, in the Western world. Uh, I mean, I think in a way, um, sh- all shamanic traditions and indigenous healers, they're all ethnobotanists, really. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. And but they but traditionally, it was something that was done uh, with the people, you know, in your area with the plants and minerals in your area. And now uh, the world has become so spread out and people are all uh, distracted and, you know, in so many different ways that indigenous society is 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 not what most people are living in now most of us most people are living um lifestyles where they're separated from who might be the person like the the local shaman or local healer that person just doesn't exist in most people's lives now um so when i read that book 
um, it was about all these different um, ways traditionally that all these plants and, and mushrooms and even animals sometimes were used uh, by indigenous people traditionally for healing. And the form of healing was um, really what might be called magical thinking now. Um, and it was a very, it was like a form of spirituality. And since I didn't mm -hmm. have a formal spirituality for myself, um, I actually started to believe in that form of um, spirituality. I started thinking that the plants, uh, that these magical plants actually had um, intelligence within them and, and, and abilities to heal. Yeah. So I, from, I was about 16 years old then. So um, I'm 54 now. So for a good percentage <laughs> of my life, I've actually been really deeply be believe that the um, the nature, that yeah, the nature itself actually can communicate with us and it can heal us to a certain degree. I mean, it's, you know, it's not going to put your leg on if you cut it off, oh, um, no. but uh, yeah. it can make you feel better about it though. Definitely. You know, uh, you know, I was born in, in Nigeria myself. So that's probably part of why we've always been click from the beginning. And where Africa generally and your parents, uh, they were there for a while and all this. You, in a way, you got that spirit in you from the beginning. So what I was trying to say is that growing up in that part of the world, we see uh, what you will call the shamanic uh, folks, the, we call them Babalawo. Uh, in my in my lab, from, I was from from the uh, southern uh, southern part of the country, so they speak Yoruba. So we call them Babalawo. Some uh, people, but they also have the kind of a mini god with different like the Ogun or Shu. Oh yeah, and all those in Yoruba. So we, I grew up seeing uh, those uh, shamanic men and women speak to the plants. See, I've, you, I know you've been you've been in the room when I talk about using mango tree, uh, mango leaves, and uh, the bark uh, for malaria and stuff. So basic, they consider malaria as basic in a way. Right. Those type of ailments. You can just get regular uh, your mango leaf, your lemongrass, the back, and put kind of a concussion, put it together, and you take it and you're fine. But there are some ailments that they actually have to talk to, to the plant itself. They have to talk to, to the spirit of the plant to tell them what do we need to put together. So uh, I can see uh, where that comes into it. And we were also, we were also going into the shamanic uh, re uh, religion, shamanic practice. Talk to us about, uh, when, when you talk about shamans, what definitely folks that comes to mind is the psychedelics. Talk to us, Patrick, uh, about uh, that journey, psychedelic. Uh, uh, I know you've done many, many journeys. Talk to us. Pick wherever you want to start from. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe like reading... a general overview of psychedelics. How did you? Uh, how did you get into the psychedelic? And okay. what type of plants are they? So yeah. So I, after reading that book, I um, I actually didn't start doing drugs. Many of my classmates in high school, you know, smokes marijuana and things like that. And I just didn't, I, I, I was a very straight edge right up to college. And then in college, I got 
kind of connected in with like the kind of Grateful Dead kind of scene and that kind of thing. And my friends were tripping on LSD and mushrooms and things like that. But I wanted to actually wait. And I wanted to grow my own mushrooms. That was the plan. And I didn't think I would ever do LSD because it was, you know, a synthetic. And I was like, oh, no, I want to do the natural thing. But at a certain point, I think I was 22, um, 1988, I tried mushrooms for the first time. And um, I actually um, thought I, I, I did three and a half grams of mushrooms. And Whoa, uh, it was for great, the first was a, time? Well, yeah, that was what oh I did. I, well, goodness. actually, the, it was the night before I'd eaten a cap and, and I really liked it. It was just like, well, that was great. I really enjoyed the tiny little, it wasn't a microdose because I could feel it, but I was just out in the parking lot. I think the Dylan was playing at the show and I wasn't going to that show. And the next day was Grateful Dead. The that morning Dylan I woke up. Dylan is your brother. I was there with my brother. I uh, woke up and I ate three and a half grams of mushrooms. Whoa. And I had, I had another quarter in my pocket seven more grams for the first and, time and well, yeah and while standing in line i just decided i just kept eating them i liked the, i actually liked the way they tasted um because i don't know and I, so i ended up doing 10 grams of mushrooms for the first for time the first time <laughs> yeah that was my first trip that yeah is and insane. i i had not uh yeah and i you know i'd experimented with a few other little things i tried nutmeg which made me very sick and um, I, you know, I'd done cannabis um, enough times at that point, and it was, um, I, I definitely that really cannabis was probably my first like real altered state. And but I also didn't treat it casually. It was one that I found. I actually started finding myself not enjoying my cannabis experiences because I would sit with a circle circle of people. People would pass the bowl around, and and I would smoke it, and then I would feel kind of paranoid and very sheepish. I, I would wish that I hadn't said things that I'd said, and. I, what I, at a certain point, it took me a while, but I started not using cannabis when it was offered to me. Um, and I started only doing it when I was completely ready, often by myself. And I developed my own relationship with that plant like that. And so my difficulty with that, I think was social at first. And after about 25 years, maybe of using that plant on my own, I now um, actually enjoy um, being social um, and high on cannabis also um, to a certain degree. Um, I think but uh, cannabis yeah. it probably just wanted uh to have that special relationship with you, really. Really, and it's really special. You know that this is not a play. I'm not here to play. I am yeah. here to yeah. actually lead you and guide you. I yeah. think it's, that's might be what is going on there. I, I know you share about cannabis a lot, and I, I really think that it's uh, it is of, of all. I'm glad that it's leading the way for the normalization of psychedelics, mm -hmm. even though it's not a classic psychedelic. I think that it it, uh, it is so incredibly mind altering. It is so incredibly mm -hmm. safe, and it's now fairly easy to access high quality cannabis. There's so many different ways to take it, from edibles to vaping mm -hmm. to traditionally smoking it. I mostly vape. Um, mm -hmm. I also like edibles. I like the way edibles come on very slowly. You don't even know it's yeah. happened. And then all of a sudden, what's that feeling? And then it's like, oh, it's that. And then it lasts a really nice long time. Mm -hmm. um, so I, 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 I really loved my relationship with that. And I feel like it's, it's been a great teacher for me. And it's, you know, I've been humbled by it at times. But for the most part, after years of exploration, I've learned how to use it. And also uh, as an admixture to any of the other psychedelics, uh, there's definitely the wrong, at least for me, there's the wrong time to add cannabis. So I almost never will do a tryptamine, LSD or mushrooms, uh, I'll almost never do those if I'm high. And if I'm going to get high on, on cannabis, I will wait towards the end of the trip and then I'll add that. 
And what sometimes- do you say uh, to the, those, uh, the folks that say, okay, when they are going through the regular psychedelic experience and they say, oh, we are also need to add cannabis to eat. What do you say to, to those school of thought? Okay, so I think that people are first, especially if they're first experimenting, first uh, go low and go slow. Start with the lowest effective dose of, of whatever it is you're trying and yeah, just yeah. do that. Don't, don't make, I would suggest not mixing anything else in with your first uh, LSD or mushroom trip or MDMA, whatever. I mean, we can, there's so many different ones to talk about uh, that each one is a, uh, at least a day long discussion. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. And um, you were telling uh, but, but us I'm, about how you uh, the first uh, experience, psychedelic experience that you had, you took 10 grams. How did you feel 10 grams? That is more than heroic dose. Uh, I mean, it's got its own story. It didn't kick in until the uh, Grateful Dead was already playing. So it was uh, it was at this uh, big outdoor uh, it was a grassy area and there were thousands of people just on the grass on this sort of slope sloping down and the band was up in the front. And um, I'd seen them before, maybe 10 times before. I wasn't like an official deadhead, but it was it was a really good environment, like with really sweet people, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a lot of a lot of crafts people there and artists and very diverse, um, mm -hmm. at least for back in the 80s, it felt diverse, diverse. Mm -hmm. And it, it really did attract excellent people. Different. And um, uh I actually decided that um, this is a cautionary tale. Um, I decided that I needed to um, that I needed to use this um, the the energy of all of the people. I mm -hmm. felt like it needed to be directed towards something other than music. I thought it needed to be directed towards world peace. So I um, um, thought that I would try to get everybody's attention, and um, it was very like it was classic. It was such a Jesus kind of trip because I. I wanted to get everyone's attention and get everyone to like promise to try to like make world peace happen as soon as possible. Whoa. <laughs> so I like was looking around for some way to like get everyone's attention. That was my plan. I was like, I, so I was like obsessed with it. And I was take, I took off all my clothes and gave them away. Whoa. And like my beads and all my stuff. I had nothing. And my brother was walking behind me, picking, asking me like, he's going to want this later. <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking my clothes back from the people. Has, it, has he tried, uh, has he tried any of the psychedelic then? He was also on mushrooms, but a much smaller dose. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Uh, how old he, I, were I you would, guys then? Uh, I was 22 and he would have been uh, 19 or 20. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, and it was both, it was our first time for both of us. And then the next week we drove from there to Canada. Cause we were, it was up in, this was up in uh, Wisconsin and uh, we drove across the border, got pulled over. And it turned out, I thought, can't, I thought drugs were legal in Canada. I was that naive. I always thought like America was evil in Canada. Like everything was okay. Yeah, like good, good. And we got, I got in so much trouble. And probably because I don't know, I only got in so much trouble. I still went to jail. But uh, so I w immediately tripped for the first time, went to jail, uh, lost my car for a bit. We got it back. And then we and they took all of our drugs except for a cassette tape. Back then it was cassette tapes mm -hmm. and we had a cassette tape stuffed full of mushrooms. Oh, and, we, and it was in like the, the, the box with all the other cassettes. Yeah. Pretty good hiding place unless they were, you know, they looked through the engine and stuff first before they even found like our weed was like on the front seat. We were we were we did not even try to hide it. <laughs> um. And uh, there's actually a lot of other sort of that's a that's that story went pretty deep. But regardless, uh, we took the mushrooms 
on into Canada when they released this. And we went to the National Gallery uh, in Ottawa, uh, which is an art museum. And we ate the mushrooms there. And that's actually the, was the largest change in my like reality that I ever had was being around um, art from all over the world mm-hmm. on psychedelics in this contained place because the museum was like mostly indoors and it was all lit by like skylights and things like that. And just, it was such an amazing, the, the, that's the trip that I would want to repeat of all of the thousands of different things that I've done and amazing people that I've been with that experience with the art. And in this contained place, there was this sense of like feeling it, it felt, it wasn't art. It felt more real than anything had ever been before. And yet totally artificial is the wrong word. It just felt like another world. It felt like another world because it was in my mind, my, my, whatever receptor sites were experiencing reality in a way that they never had before. I mean, I, I guess they kind of had the week before, but on 10 grams, I'm not really sure I even remember what happened exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it was just so, whoa, grams. I was so will, uh, far out will, there. That will be uh, on head off these days. You know, even the map studies, they're not, I don't <laughs> even think they are going anywhere around that at all. Yeah. But that, yeah. that second, it was, it was three and a half grams uh, that we did at the art museum. And that, was a little high for a museum dose for a beginner. Mm-hmm. But I think that for people that are comfortable being in public a little bit and that want to experiment with lower dose tryptamines, like w- between one and two grams, that uh, museums are an excellent place to um, to, to really uh, gain a whole new understanding and all sorts of aspects of reality, especially like fine art and seeing like yes. the, cra- the craft idea That's and the, what and the mind of the artist. Say. That yeah. especially somebody like you that is into arts and stuff, it's like a new meaning to what you're seeing. How long <laughs> does it last? How, how many does it last like days? How did you feel after that experience? Um, well, I mean, the 10 gram experience, I, I mean, it was a day trip and I I feel like it went into the night, but I, I'm, I, I don't remember the details. I have a journal about it somewhere, but my guess is I've got a good night's sleep. I don't, rem- I don't remember having any kind of hangover. If anything, the, one of the nice things that's classic about mushrooms, especially if you keep them simple without uh, too many other things added, is that the afterglow the next day, which now is called integration, the, mm-hmm. the days after tripping uh, has a really nice feeling. And while with LSD, often the afterglow is um, kind of exhausting the next day, like your mind just feels worn out and it takes a few days to, um, to, to, to have like full cerebral functioning again. Um, and that's that's a fantastic thing. My mushrooms, though, is the next day usually is really amazing. I can most of my mushroom m- most of my mushroom trips have been between one and one and three and a half grams. And then I've also um, been so brave or foolish to integrate some MAO inhibitors into that also. But that's uh, stuff that no one do that without researching it a lot. It's also not. As, Can you expatiate on that for our uh, okay. audience? Uh, maybe uh, because uh, we try, you know, it's just like the club. We try to break it down a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. Okay, so there's two. There's there's many different types of mind altering plants and and molecules, but one entire branch are called are tryptamines, and that's why they call it tripping. And that's because they're the the building the building blocks are made from tryp- tryptophan, which is a amino acid, I believe. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so so that amino acid is turned into these uh, alkaloids, which uh, the psilocybin, uh, DMT, 
and LSD. And those three, there's others, but let's just stick with the classics. Those three, and really any tryptamine, if you take a tryptamine orally with this thing called a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, an MAOII, if you take those two together, it makes them way stronger, but not just more potent. It, it's the way they go through your brain, into your brain. There's this other um, sort of um, pattern that it, it creates. And it's, it's really advanced work. Like it's people talk about big dosing, macro dosing being advanced. And I do think that that's advanced in its own way, but you're still getting just more of the same thing. But when you open up those uh, receptor sites with MAO inhibitors, it really changes things. And that's when you really do need a professional help often. And that's why ayahuasca is my suggested method for people to first experiment with that because ayahuasca, um, ideally you will be doing it with a, a trained professional, uh, a cuandero or a shaman, whatever they want to call themselves, but someone that works with ayahuasca and knows how to hold people. Because if you're going to have a hard time, a bad trip, and if you have a bad, having a bad trip and a trip to mean, uh, you can learn a lot from it. There aren't really bad trips. They're just trips that you need to spend more time thinking about afterwards um, sometimes and debrief a little. But if you add MAO inhibitors to that and you have a bad trip with tryptamines, if you had a bad tryptamine trip with MAO inhibitors, that's some serious psychic damage that you can have. So it's really good, really important to have someone that can hold you during the trip. Now you probably want, you may want help afterwards too, but anyway, that's so, yeah. So I've experimented with that also as um, part of my personal path. Um, and, sometimes uh, uh, yeah. In, in your traditional, you know, as a, as a clinician in your traditional conventional medicine, that's why we have to be very particular about your antidepressant, your SSRIs. Yes. Because see, these are mono, all those compounds, they are monoamine. And when you bring the inhibitor to the enzyme that is supposed to break them down, see, the oxidase is the enzyme that breaks them down. So when you bring an inhibitor, folks, inhibitor just prevents it from being broken down. So you have your, your serotonin from your shroom or whatever agents you are using in your body is supposed to be broken down by the enzymes, but this compound that you are bringing in is preventing it from being broken down. That's like a flush. Yeah. So that is that is big deal. It could, it, could, it could result in serotonin syndrome, which are some of the effect that Patrick was uh, describing. Yeah. Patrick, uh, uh, the other question I want to ask us, what is your uh, your favorite uh, thinking? What is your take on, you know, they are beginning to uh, put together agent to try to take the mysticism out of the psychedelics because uh, some people are not really able to deal with uh, the uh, the trip itself, the uh, the psychedelic experience, the hallucinogenic part of it. In an agent like uh, Iboga, especially with the cardiac uh, related issues that we have to be careful and that will be at a very high dose. So there are works out there that uh, big farmers, they are beginning to look into to try to take the, the mysticism out of it. That stuff that makes it like magic, maybe that will resolve some of the uh, potential side effects that we might see. What are your take on that? 
I actually think it's a good idea. I think that if science wants to, uh, you know, take apart and reinvent some of these chemicals, that's great. And then there's just more new molecules and more exploration into it. So I just think more, the more science, the better. But I think that's, it would be really good if people knew that there were other options. Um, and one of the, another part, because as psychedelics become naturalized and normalized in society, I'm not really sure uh, everyone needs to have to go through the, um, um, the effort that the psychedelic community has to learn how to use these medicines. So if there's easier ways to do them because some of the um, difficulty is taken out, I think that, that if that's how people choose to do it, that's, that's great. But I think that there'll be plenty of people who would want to keep it natural even if it's molecule and do like the classic form. I mean, MDMA is a good example of that. Uh, how uh, MDMA, uh, it, it, which is also known as ecstasy and, 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 and atom, um, that molecule uh, does not exist in nature. So it's not natural, uh, but it's very easy to make, um, not, not by novice, but I mean, it's, again, it's not expensive to make. Uh, so it doesn't, it's not gonna cost much to have it around um, and that people have been using it in the subculture for like 50 years. And, and although you can get in trouble with that substance, because in a high dose, it can, can lead to death. Uh, but for people that are, you know, do a little research, uh, they've been, people have been self-dosing on that without a prescription. And there's, you know, it's, it's actually really worked. Now, what people, one of the reasons people don't get addicted to it is because the day after, and sometimes like the week after doing MDMA is pretty rough. It's really, so there's a few people that just stay on it, but those are the people that get in trouble, but most people, they do it and then they don't need to do it again for months or maybe ever again. So a lot of the psychedelics are like that. They're just, that all the trip means are like that. You don't just do a trip and then be like, oh, that was great. I want to be like that forever. No, most people have their trip and then it wears off. And then they, then they, then they go into this period that's called integration. And MDMA is a great example of that because the integration often doesn't feel that great. So if you could create an MDMA that didn't, that had an integration that didn't, that wasn't difficult, I'm not sure that the medicine would be working as well. So I'm kind of agreeing with myself and disagreeing at the same time. I contradict myself, I contradict myself, I contradict myself. I'm gonna do that because I know how deep the well is and all of these things, there's definitely all sorts of different ways to look at all of this stuff. Like it's, it, there, it's, it's always contradictory it's, information in the psychedelic world. It's just tool. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a two side to to a coin. There it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really the, a two. Because uh, for me, uh, look at the mysticism that's like, okay, yeah, I see both sides. Then there are the side that say, what about the indigenous folks? And But at the same time, it's not going to be visible to take everybody that is having issue, one ailment or the other. We all take a trip to Africa or to Peru or Costa right. Rica or wherever we decide the plant is, you know? So we're gonna have to walk through that, but at the same time, we just still have to be respectful of the people that, that have made this plant their life. And uh, it's, 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 it's a two coin and we just have to, I'm always a little bit, uh, careful because I don't want a situation where we find ourselves in the opioid uh, terrain. Again, all those modification of those agents, it can lead to a stronger effect. One of those uh, effects uh, is seen in uh, Opana ER, it has to be taken off the market. That was how strong 
that particular agent is. So a little modification of this thing can go a long way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so, I mean, uh, yeah. Before we 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 uh we let you go, Patrick, talk to us. Uh, talk to us. We cannot just have you one time. There's so much we didn't even get to Kratom. We didn't even yeah. get to Savia. Okay, I mean, all kind of uh, uh, stuff. We haven't even started again. I hope you, so. Before we let you go, we folks, we're gonna be bringing Patrick back for sure. But you, before we let him go. Talk to us. Uh, there's lots of our audience out there uh, that are, you see, uh, they are thinking uh, and uh, taking this journey. What will you? What type of advice? First of all, what are the uh, areas that people are using it potential to help people? One second of all, what are your advice for folks that are considering going this route? Okay, my first. I'm going to give you two acronyms. The first one is KYM, Kim, and it's know your medicine. So whatever you, if you're, if you think you want to experiment with anything, and this could even be true with marijuana, um, because it, nowadays it could be laced with fentanyl. You just don't know. So know what you've got first by knowing where you're getting it from and trusting that source. And if you're not sure for sure, do a really low dose, like one-tenth what you imagine your dose is going to be of whatever it is. And in that sense, get to know your medicine. And that's based on, and I'm going to give you another acronym for that. I call it LED, and that's the lowest effective dose. So start super low with such a small amount that you don't think it's going to do anything. And then, you know, wait a day or two. Don't, you know, some things people keep redose. Most people get in trouble through redosing in, in any other way, other than like cars and other stupid things like that. But um, I mean, again, so... The knowing, knowing, knowing your medicine and then really keeping that lowest effective dose at first till you get to know the medicine. And then after that, it's all about set and setting. Set and setting is really worth looking up. Set and setting is the set is um, who you are at the time. What's going on in your life? How's your love life? You know, have you eat? Have you, you know, how's your, how's your physical health? How's your psychology? What other meds are you on? Know yourself. And that's the setting. And then the other part is that that's the set is you. And then there's the setting. That's where you're at. That's if you're in your apartment or out in your woods, if there's other people involved in, in your trip, the, 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 the social dynamics of group, group tripping, group tripping, especially in friend groups, that's actually my favorite form where I think people uh, basically, instead of having to have like a clinician or having to go all the way to Peru or to, you know, to Africa, uh, but if groups of friends can get together and really hold a space together as a group, I think that that form of like local community is where most of the work can get done. Now, there's definitely things like ayahuasca, for instance, which I would suggest probably don't start that out in a friend group unless someone in the friend is someone unless someone has really, really been involved in that medicine. Uh, and so but I think that really the friend group is really, really important and which can also extend to family, of course. Um, and, and that family members. And what you'll find is that that experience together with a friend group can really bond a, 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 friend, a, group, a group of people and, and also family it can really change your relationships with family. A lot of these medicines are things that people that have had all kinds of like even, even ancestral multi-generational multi family problems are being solved through the use of psychedelics. Um, and on a personal level and on entire family levels and in friend groups also, um, you know, with, with exes, with, with your children, 
Um, yeah, I would I would actually love to talk about raising uh, raising children um, with psychedelics being naturalized also because I think that the that uh, parents not sharing with their children about their their you know because so many people now particularly use cannabis that uh, you know that it's fine to be drunk around your children but you have to hide that if you're if you're high or if you're tripping and I think that that's uh, too bad because I think that those that that kind of um, honesty in the in the family unit is really healthy and that that um that that these medicines also can do amazing social um social personal social change it's just very clear it's not only my personal experience and again although i am mostly a solitary practitioner um i have um um sort of been around a lot of other people doing these things and sort of been there for them Again, I, I, I do not consider myself a shaman. I, I do practice a lot of things that a shaman might do, <laughs> but, I, but I'm, I'm more of a, um, an ethnobotanist, a pharmacologist, and a witness. Like, I'm really a witness. Like, I will, I'll, so just, I'll just sort of be there. It's different than coaching. If I don't want to have that much responsibility, but I've witnessed a lot of people do these things. So, and in, in by doing that, I've experienced um, a, a lot of the nuances of, of how to maybe encourage people to do it in a way that's uh, most effective. Because these, and again, it's not for everyone. Again, that's where I, again, if you're, a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, new medicines, want to try them all. But then again, uh, just take your time because there are at least 50 different amazing uh, mind altering substances out there. And there's also numerous ways to achieve um, uh, altered states uh, that don't involve any chemicals at all. Different forms of breathing, different forms of fasting, different forms of sensory deprivation, wilderness experiences, um, just, you know, sitting silently with your friends (laughs) on a park bench, you can totally find Nirvana there also. Those are, I mean, we cannot fit. That's why I say we can fit his uh, his, uh, appearance on the show to one episode. That is just... uh, (laughs) That is just gonna be trying to do too much. Uh, you, uh, Patrick, talk, uh, do you work one? I mean, you are kind of uh, somebody that learned from experience, and a lot of people even put more values. There's more values in in lived experience. That's what a part of couple with your pharmacological uh, uh, background and all your, you know your uh, your formal education and stuff. So that is really, really a powerful part of what I do is bringing my clinical background as well as my lived uh, growing up in the African community where we used uh, this herbal medicine. Th- those are really uh, experience that not everybody have it. Uh, fortunately for some of us like me and you, uh, you know, it is what it is, you know. We all have our life experience. So, uh, how do, do people work with you? Do you work with people one on one? Do you grow your own product? How does that uh, work? And if you don't want to talk about that, uh, that is also fine. Oh, no. um, I mean, the things that are legal, I've grown myself the, the chacruna plant for ayahuasca, which I've not used because I just grow it. Um, and uh, the salvia divinorum, um, I actually have been one of the people that shared that plant a lot. I've never sold it. Um, it just didn't feel right to me, but I don't mind if people do. Again, I, it's whatever the people do. For me, uh, I've just, um, that's just my one of my services. Um, San Pedro cactus, of course, Wachuma. 
uh, is another one that I've uh, been really involved in growing. And I, I sort of about 10 years ago, I segued away from my uh, cultivation agricultural work. And now I just have a tiny little like sample of things that I like to keep alive. But uh, I've, I've really stepped away from that. As far as other people are concerned, I'm mostly a solitary practitioner. And I have a few friends that periodically we decide to get together and, you know, experiment with something or do, you know, continue to explore or we find something new. Um, and um, I, I do suspect that uh, the future is going to make it more and more uh, possible for groups of us to get together intentionally in places like psychedelic parks, um, places mm -hmm. that are perhaps even protected or separated from the public to a certain degree. And they're safe places for people to do these, have these experiences together. So actually it's one of my main uh, things I'm the most excited about right now is being involved in um, a, a, a way to start to create a psychedelic safe places all over the world. Yeah, not just with yeah. not just that they're not only that they're legal, which is important, mm -hmm. very important, Definitely. but also that you can safely use them in the things, the places you need that, you know, there'll be a place where there's a sound stage for people that want to dance with music. There'll be a place that for quiet, there'll be a place that's dark. There'll be a place that's for playing Frisbee. Um, you know what I mean? It's, so there'll just be all these different options. There'll be art places for art and it helps set, set up these like festival-like environments. But instead of it being uh, focused on say like a band or a DJ or on a circus, that the people there are the experience and that, anyway so that's yeah so psychedelic safe places is my that's yeah. my uh, current yeah, passion right now awesome. is to help help create yeah. that and also just get the word out there through amazing people like you who are have platforms to share with uh, about uh, especially harm reduction also because there's definitely ways to get hurt with uh, any kind of medicine mm -hmm. and the psychedelics can hurt your mind <laughs> like not just the way you think they can hurt the way you think about the way you think. So they can actually be very difficult for the ego, which again, ego complicated word there. Uh, so that can be good for people sometimes because people talk about ego death and that people want to like, you know, get away from their ego. But if your ego is actually surgically removed by a, a psychedelic knife, mm -hmm. it can actually leave some scarring that takes a while. And that's mm -hmm. why you sometimes the professional help, which I'm not, um, because yeah, mm -hmm. I just at this point, I I I'm more interested in working with people like yourself and other coaches. So I think that my experience is going to be more useful and more uh, will be. I think I will hit, I will impact more people by me connecting with the people who are connecting with the people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a chain of command thing. Because and you are that type of person that can put fill in the gaps mm -hmm. of what um, modern science might not be able yes. to explain or what uh, the ethno uh, botanist part of it, uh, bringing that in to help us right. fill in all those right. uh, space that might, we might be wondering sometimes what is going on here. That is, that is really cool, yeah. I'm, I'm attempting to be like the liminal space or the linkage, the motherboard between the traditional world and the modern world and trying to find a way for that balance to happen. That is where I'm seeing you. That is that is where the spirit, yeah, it's like we agree right there. It's, it's, it's <laughs> one spirit. Patrick, it's really great to have you. Where can our audience connect with you? Folks, first of all, as you are listening to this, you go to Clubhouse and go join Patrick's club. Uh, Psychedelic Universe. He is the host of Psychedelic Universe. 
you guys go up there on Clubhouse and following this man. It is uh, if you know you cannot wait until the next, and we don't even know when next we're gonna be able to drag him down here. <laughs> but I will make sure we bring him back because we haven't talked about Savia, we haven't talked about Kratom, we haven't talked about masculinity, we only briefly mentioned uh parents, uh, I mean educating themselves and their, their children. So it's a lot we haven't even covered yet. Talk oh, to yeah. us, David, uh, Patrick, where, where can we uh, connect with you? Um, just my name, Patrick Ironwood. I'm easy to find on pretty much all the platforms. I'm, I'm the most active on, on Clubhouse is because I'm, I like to share ideas and listen to other people. Yeah. Clubhouse is amazing. Uh, it's basically just a, it's a chat room um, form, but Clubhouse is the one that I'm on uh, by my name. And then if you just simply want to just, uh, I post on Facebook by my name, Patrick Ironwood, uh, Instagram, um, the same, um, my art uh, studio, which is um, um, very interesting. Um, it's called Nature of Reaction. And uh, it's mostly not for sale. It's, uh, so it's really just something, kind of, it's not even, I, I don't, it's not really that well explained actually, but if you go to my Instagram, actually, and just scroll back through it, you'll see um, still shots and some mm -hmm. little movies of the things that I do. Thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, thank you so much. We really do appreciate you uh, showing up for us and educating us. I, I have picked up so many gems. You just don't know. I'm so glad you were able to make it. Guys, uh, that is our show today. Like I said, we're going to be putting every links about pa Patrick in the show notes. And But in the meantime, before the show, uh, this episode is out, you can go ahead and connect with him on social and also connect with him on Clubhouse. Having said all what we have said today, uh, this psychedelic space, these are medicine. Plant is medicine, folks. I don't want uh, us to just go away without reminding ourselves, plant is medicine. If it's medicine, we have to treat it as such. You just like you won't go to over the counter and grab a bottle of Tylenol without talking to somebody that how do I take it and all that the same with this. The other thing I want to call our attention to is the integration part. Just like Patrick has said, it is very, very important to have integration and don't go alone, especially if you are new to this plant. Get with people, learn about the plant, talk to I mean work with uh, with a guy. Don't just do it alone because like I say, it is medicine. Having said that, if you feel uh, triggered in any way out there, there is help out there. So don't uh, don't do anything by yourself. Reach out to folks, even your your uh, your social media uh, family. We are family, so don't be alone. Reach out if you need help. So for folks that are yet to join our Patreon group, please go do that. And make sure you don't just listen to this episode. Try to leave a comment. We really don't need a comment. Leave a comment and also share with your friends and loved ones. And folks, if you are out there, you are an organization, you would like to sponsor this show, Let's Talk Plant Medicine. We do need you guys to come sponsor us so that we can keep this show going. So if you are an organization and you would like to uh, sponsor the show, reach out to us at WCI 
www.ashbeth-health.com. You can go on there and send us an email or you can reach out to me directly, lola at wci-health.com. And all this information will be in the uh, show notes. Until next time, guys, thank you so much. Remember, healthy course. Well, bye, guys. See you guys later. Bye.